We are studying the book of Proverbs this summer as a church together. It's like summer school for wisdom. That's what we're going to do. And it occurred to me when I was reading, especially today, a lot of the passages that we're going to look at, I just thought, these, these are just life hacks. That's all they are. Um, if you look, you know, on the Internet, they have these little life hack things, little ways to get how to, how to live life effectively, essentially. And usually a lot of these life hacks are, have been staring you in the face all this time and you didn't see it and you didn't do them, but now you're living wiser, you know. Proverbs is written so that we could um, live a great life, a life without regrets. It's effective especially for uh, raising a family or better still to raise you. It is how to, how to live life. You know, in, in our family, I want to give you a couple life hacks. One is you know, our family was built on the foundation of, of Bible revelation. That was the source of authority. And in areas that weren't biblical, we went to musicals. Musicals is how we raised our children. And here's a life hack that we learned from a very famous musical. Why don't you play that tape? Now, let's see how well you listened. Oh, I, I, I won't need to whistle for them, Reverend Captain. I mean, um, I'll use their names, and such lovely names. Fräulein, this is a large house. The grounds are very extensive, and I will not have anyone shouting. You will take this, please, learn to use it. The children will help you. Now, when I want you, this is what you will hear. Oh, no, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I could never answer to a whistle. Whistles are for dogs and cats and other animals, but not for children, and definitely not for me. It would be too humiliating. Fräulein, were you this much trouble at the Abbey? Oh, much more, sir. Hmm. Excuse me, sir, I don't know your signal. You may call me Captain. That's a life hack. That, listen, we have a family whistle. We do, because it, it is very effective. Uh, it started uh, when I was in graduate school. I had a dog. Her name was Leah the Wonder Dog because she was, she was a wonder dog. A lot of dogs can catch Frisbees, but Leah the Wonder Dog could throw the Frisbee back. True story. It would th this dog would throw you the Frisbee back. And uh, when she was just a puppy, I taught her just a, a a whistle. It was Leah's whistle, and it was just a single note. I would just hold a single note, and she would drop everything and, and run to me as fast as she could. And I was able to train her, to, you know, to do that because whenever she'd come, you know, I'd start off by giving her, you know, a couple treats and then a single treat. And then eventually, just a little pat on the head, but she would come whenever she heard the whistle. We had children. I thought, well, if it's good enough for the winter dog, you know, and it's good enough for my children. And and so whenever I would do the same whistle, and whenever that one note, we would just hold that one note, and the, the kids would drop everything and run to me. And I was able to teach them how to do that by, you know, when they come, a positive reinforcement, we'd give them a little piece of candy or a trinket or a dime or a nickel, and sometimes a sticker, right? And then eventually we're just patting them on the head. That's all it took. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm just saying a lot, a family whistle is a great thing because because it really comes in handy, especially if you, if you lose them as much as I do, and it's in a store or in a crowded room or even in a church, you don't have to yell their name out loud. All you have to do is even quietly just 
that one whistle tone and they drop everything and they run to you and all is well. As a matter of fact, when we went to Disneyland when the kids were very young, we gave them the whistle. And we said, listen, if you ever, you know, get separated from us, as soon as you realize that, you just grab the whistle and blow on it and all, of, all the rest of us will run towards you. It was a great little thing for safety. I loved it. It, uh, it was a great big help. Um, uh, do you guys want to guess who the biggest uh, problem person was in our family about learning the family whistle? Yeah, Melinda. Yeah. Okay, first of all, we weren't really a family. It wasn't a family whistle. We were dating, so it was more like a girlfriend whistle at the time. And she, and she was like, I am not going to come when you do the Lee of the Wonder Dog whistle. You, what do you treat me like? And I said, chocolate? says, I, here I am. And I said, and I pat her on the head now. I, that's all I have to do. And she calls me captain. I'm going to need a place to stay tonight. <laughs> Add a life hack was uh, from our family to yours. It's free. Uh, another life hack that we had at our house that has been paying big dividends was 20 years ago, we looked at the book of Proverbs together and we bunched up the different, you know, uh, personas, the personality profiles, I guess. And we looked at those and we come up, came up with great little sayings and came up with hand signs for each one. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're going to learn today because they helped us parent our children, but they helped us parent ourselves. The, the book of Proverbs, if you study these personality personas, you're going to see that they can change your life. That's the way they were written. That's the way we're supposed to live with them. We're, it's supposed to change the way we view ourselves and the way we view other people and how to live accordingly, how to live accordingly in light of the different the personas that we're talking about. So the series itself is called Trade Up. And just a lot, every, a lot of people on campus are doing this together. If you have a first grader through 12th grader, you're going through this series together. As a matter of fact, we'd, I'd very much encourage you, if you have young children, to do the Summer Family Challenge. They're working through the same weeks we are working through, the same uh, personalities that we're working through. Uh, we're getting trading cards every week. Uh, we're supposed to put them, make it easier for you, but they're in the lobbies on the table. Don't leave without grabbing one per family member, so you'll have verses to memorize for each one of, of the different trading card people. That's trade up, trading cards, that's the, the feel of things. Uh, this week, we're going to look at two of those personas, and that would be the wise man and a wise guy. We call him the wise guy and the fool, okay? Now, before we get into that, let me do some quick uh, uh, review from last week because last week was so important. The best thing you can do to catch up with us would be to listen to or watch last week's uh, teaching time because we studied the fundamentals of Proverbs. But let me just try to summarize quickly. The, the theme of Proverbs is to pursue wisdom. Seek wisdom, get wisdom, and wisdom in, in the Bible is the skill of living. It is the way to live godly. It is the way to live without regret. Uh, simply, the 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 Bible is God's owner's manual. He made everything. This is the owner manual. Proverbs is absolutely the most practical way of doing that in the most efficient way to learn how. Verse after verse, Proverbs is written in such a way as it's a father saying to his child, you need to get wisdom. Whatever wisdom costs, you pay that because you don't pay for wisdom. You pay for being foolish. And so, blessed is the person who acquires wisdom, who gains understanding, because it is more precious than silver. It has a better return than gold. Get 
wisdom. Live wisely. You don't have to make all the mistakes yourself. Now, that's the theme of Proverbs. Here's, how, here's the five things we're going to do this summer to get the most out of this style of writing, okay? Because they are Proverbs and they're packed with meaning and uh, layers of understanding. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to read a chapter a day. There's 31 chapters. So whatever day of the week is, today's June 11th, so you read chapter 11, okay? You read a chapter a day. When you're reading that chapter, you find a couplet or a verse, and you say, oh, this is the one I want to memorize. That's the second thing to do. Then the next thing you do is uh, uh, you pick that verse, and then you memorize that verse. And the way you memorize Proverbs because of the, the style is you probably want to translate it in a way that makes make sense to you, make it modern, make it apply to you. And the second way to memorize a proverb is to try to fix a, a story to it, attach a story to it, a successful story or a not so successful, a Bible story or a real life story. Between translating and attaching a story to it, you're probably going to remember that proverb. The next thing I want you to do is write that proverb down somewhere on a back of an old business card or we even left the bulletin blank so that you can write that down, and then you put it in front of you it's because the fifth thing you're going to do is you're going to watch and see because God wants us to have these Proverbs regularly rattling around in our heads because all of life is a display of the wisdom of God or the folly of man. And, and by doing these five steps and that last step, just looking for God to show you in success or failure stories, you're going to gain wisdom. That's the easiest, best way to grow and live a life, okay? So enough with review. Let's look at our first personality profile, the, the fool. Here's the fool. Does he look familiar? Might have seen him at work, right? Or on the highway buzzing down, uh, maybe at the soccer field. But actually, uh, in the Bible, the the time you see him most often might be in the mirror. And the reason is, is and you have to be careful when you, when you study the fool because we all are foolish in areas, in particular areas of our lives, you, different ones for different people. But there's aspects of our lives that are foolish, but when Proverbs talks about it, it's the lifestyle of a fool. It's a person that is on a foolish path and is choosing to continue to live a way that's insane. I mean, how do you qualify to be a fool? You, you consider the limitless num amount of, I don't know, uh, the mindset of, of, of a fool is the, the amount of like, scientific research, the evidence that says something is true. The fool says, nah, <laughs> I, it doesn't matter to me. No matter how much statistical analysis is given to you, no matter what the odds are, the fool says, I know more. The fool is smarter than everyone. The fool is smarter than God. Here's the mindset of the fool in chapter 18, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion because his opinion's right. He thinks he's always right, no matter what science or statistics or God's word says. How do you get to be a fool? Is it, is it you know, like the way you were raised? Is it the way you were made? Maybe you're not so smart. The Bible says neither one of those are factors. The Bible says a fool is a fool because he chooses or she chooses to be foolish. Because being a fool is independent of the way you were raised or your intellect. It's not about intelligence. 
It's not about learning style. And you can, you can see examples in your own life or in the Bible where you see someone that is raised in a very wise family with wise parents, and they say, you know what? This, this simplistic, boring lifestyle is not for me. And then you can see on the contrary to that, I have a very good friend. It's a pastor of a, a, a church, and he was raised in a foolish house. All his siblings and his mother and father were just tremendously foolish, just just say, I'll be polite. And he says in his storyline, by age eight, he realized how foolish his household was, and whatever his mom and dad did, he would do 180 degrees opposite of that. I'm just going to do whatever, the opposite of my parents, and I'll be great. And you know what? That got him to have a a very wise life. Later on, when he started reading the Bible, he he realized, oh my, look, I'm, I'm living wisdom. I'm living like a wise person. So the difference is not how you were raised or how you learn. The difference is whether you learn or not, whether you're teachable, whether you want to learn. Look at what it says in Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise man listens to advice. See, the issue here is the heart. That's one of the themes of the Proverbs, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of your life. It's your whole life. And the heart of a proud, of a, I'm sorry, the heart of a fool is pride and stubborn. And, and they don't need to learn anything else because they know everything. They don't have to change because they're right where they are. And, and they think they know more than God himself. And so when the Bible says, I don't know, just like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says, yeah, right. Like, I'm, I'm going to seek first me, <laughs> and then I'll be happy. And the Bible says it's better to give than receive. That's in red letters, friends. Jesus said that. He says, yeah, right. It's better to get and acquire. When the Bible says better is one day with the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Yeah, right. See, the fool He doesn't care about what's true or right or real. The fool says, I determine that, and says, yeah, right, to all other sources of wisdom. Well, we've come up with hand signs for these very personas, and you can probably guess by now what the hand sign is for the fool. It's this. And the fool says, yeah, right. Now, here's what I want you to do in our series, through the, through the summer. I want you to be practicing. These, this was an easy one. This, practice this as much as you possibly can. Just look for it. Just like we said in the five deals, look at the fifth one. The fifth one is watch and see and learn. You'll see this. And when you see somebody, I don't know, uh, oh, this always hurts me, but you see a young person learning how to smoke cigarettes, you know, choking this thing down, and, and, and they, they're learning, they're fighting how to become a, how to, and have a lifelong addiction to nicotine. And you know why? Because it doesn't matter how much science says, it doesn't matter all those health classes they took or they saw pictures of lungs and taught them about how much they're going to die slowly in pain. Doesn't matter the billboards they've seen. Yeah, right. Yeah. Doesn't matter that it says on the side of the package, this will kill you. They say, yeah, right. And when you see people acting foolishly, 
You, sometimes out loud, sometimes that's not good. Sometimes in your head, but you go, yeah, right. You, you see that person in the, well, it's usually in the third lane. It's always the passing lane. And that person is texting while they're driving. You know why they're doing that? Because they, they think they can. They're the person that can drive a car that weighs 3,517 pounds at 60 miles per hour while they're typing right on a small screen and thinking it would be the safest thing to go into the fastest lane and slow down to 50. Not endangering anyone else's life? Yeah, right. I got this. I, I can do this. Yeah, right. So, again, when you see people doing that sort of thing, when you see people being careless about the way they're not guarding their heart, they don't care about greed, they don't care about being independent of God, you say, yeah, right. The more you practice this, the more it'll be part of the way you live life. The essential trait of a fool is found in 2611. This is a pretty picture. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Wow. You know, as though the picture of a dog vomiting isn't enough, it's the dog coming back to have lunch with that same, ah. And so what's the picture here? What's the point? It's, it's nasty looking, but the point is that the, the fool is a repeat offender. It, it doesn't matter how many times they, they've seen a choice made and where it leads. They think they can make a certain choice and magically they will have a consequence that no one else has ever had. I mean, never mind all the YouTube videos out there where people have done thus and such and ended up in the hospital, they're different. No matter how many times they've seen people play stupid games and get stupid prizes, they're going to be different. Because here's the thing. A fool says, watch this. A fool says, hold my beer. A fool says, yeah, right. You know how you change a fool? Ooh. 26.3, as a whip for a horse, because he won't budge, as a bridle for a donkey, because he's being stubborn, as a rod for the back of fools. It's going to be the pain of consequences. That's the only thing that'll work. And listen, by the way, this is not, look how familiar we are with those other illustrations. This is not like the wrath of God coming down upon this person in their decision making. Oh, no, no, no. God need not mess with this. This is Mother Nature and her number one servant physics coming in and saying, hey, look, it's a cause-effect universe. Just let it play itself out. And the fool, the fool like a horse needs a, a whip instead of a carrot, like a donkey needs a bridle, a fool needs a good whipping. Natural consequences and logical consequences might just be the thing that changes them. Now, natural consequences are, well, what happens, that's, that's physics speaking. It's when you jump off the roof of a house and you twist or break your ankle, you go, yeah, because that happens. Now, logical consequences is when a person has to, well, the natural consequences could hurt them or kill them, and so you have to inject, you know, a logical consequence where a person can connect the dots. So whether it's in your life or the life of someone you love, here's, you need to understand this. Because a lot of well-meaning people miss this, especially, you know, if you love the person. If you withhold natural or logical consequences upon a person that is not learning, a fool, you are keeping them or yourself from learning and then changing. 
Let me say that again. If you withhold natural or logical consequences from yourself or another person that's being stubborn, you are preventing them from learning and then changing. If you love them, you'll let the rod hit their backs. Like when, I, when my son was young, some of you like this story, when my son was very young, he, he, bought, he raised a bunch of money uh, by selling Cokes and stuff on the street, street corner. He had one of those stuff. <laughs> um, he's on the street selling Coke. No, Coca-Cola on the street corner. So, okay, you get it. It was a really expensive bike. This is getting worse. It was, uh, it was a really expensive bicycle. And so he, he bought the, it's, it's called a GT BMX Cruiser. It's a really very expensive and very nice bike. It was not, and after he bought it, we all celebrated that. And one of the first days he had it at home, he left it out in the front yard. And I came home from work and said, hey, buddy, you better bring the bike in or someone's going to steal it. And he was like, yeah, right. And then... So the next day I come home from work and it's out there in the yard again. I said, Ryan, you need to get the bike out of the front yard or someone's going to steal it. That's a really good bike. All the other kids know that's a good bike. It's probably the best bike in the neighborhood. It's a GT Cruiser. It's going to get stolen. Yeah, right, Dad. What do you know? Well, you know, I tried to reason with him and I tried to prove that this would happen. And by the way, you never, there's never a bad guy around when you need him. And so no one's stealing this kid's bike. And so I stole his bike. <clears throat> I came home the next day and his bike was out in the front yard. It's like, well, if nobody else is going to steal it, I'm going to steal it. And so I hit it. I came in and then he went out to play and, he, and then the bike was gone. And then he came in running. His, his face was pale and he's panicking. I think someone stole my bike. I think, I think someone did steal your bike, Ryan. And he, then he was crying and then he was really angry with himself because he left his bike out. And we sat down at the table and we got out a bunch of poster board, lost bike, you know, made a bunch of signs, put them up all over the neighborhood right next to the lost kitten signs, right? And then he learned his lesson. Uh, and I said, look, in the next bike, you have to buy the whole bike, not just half of it. You have to buy the whole bike. So, sorry. Ten days later, I brought the bike out. Boom. He never, ever left that bike out again. The natural consequence was to have the bike stolen. The logical consequence was for me to steal it for him. See the difference? He couldn't. All right. And listen, this works for you, too. The last time I was pulled over for speeding, it looked like the officer was going to let me go. And I, this is true. I just said, listen, I think you should write me this ticket because I'm a fool. My right foot is on his own and I won't behave. And maybe this will be the thing that will slow down my driving. And he was, okay. Okay, sure. So he wrote me the ticket. And you, you need to know this. That is the very last time that I have ever been caught speeding. So it works. I'm, it works. Proverbs 19.29. Penalties are prepared for mockers and beatings for the back of fools. Yep. It's the only way they change. Now, listen carefully. This is the advice to other people, okay? Because fools are generous. They are generous with their consequences. They are generous with all the radioactivity that comes with them in their lifestyle. And so he says this, he says this, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. 
Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs, better than a fool in his folly. What's Solomon saying? If, the, if there's a fool around in your life, he's saying, stay away. He's not saying stay away. He's saying way more than that. He's saying, be afraid. Be very afraid because you're going to get swept up into his wake and be destroyed by it. Right? I mean, don't you just love this picture? So you're just out hiking all by yourself, and then all of a sudden some guy runs up to you, hands you a couple bear cubs, and then runs and then they both look at you, and then they start screaming for mama. And then there's this 12-foot grizzly looking at you like, dinner's served, kids. We're going to eat big tonight. He says that fear in that, in that story, you in the woods with the mama bear, with these screaming cubs, that's better. That day in the woods is better than you going on that stupid trip with your old friend that's a fool. That's better than ever getting in a business transaction with someone that you know is a foolish person. That's way better than going back on a high school hunting trip with your old high school buddies. It never works. And you say, no, no, this year will be different. It won't be different. Quit spending time with them. Better to be, be greeted by a mother bear with cubs stolen than hanging around a fool. Benjamin Franklin said, if you lie down with dogs, anyway, you're going to get up with fleas. Yep. And one of the hardest things I felt like uh, as teaching uh, students when I was a youth pastor was if you hang around people, you'll hang with them. If you hang around with bad people, you'll hang with them. One of the hard things I've found to teach adults is if you hang around with bad people, you'll hang with those bad people. You get it? That's the fool. That's what we can learn from the fool. Let's look at Let's trade up. What do you say? Let's look at the wise guys. This is wise guys. And this is, this is wise thinking. Okay, there's a beautiful picture that's painted in chapter 9 of Proverbs, and it goes like this. Picture this. Lady Wisdom has built her house. She has carved her seven pillars, her majestic palace. She has slaughtered her, her best beasts. She is personally mixing up her very own wine. And then she has sent out all of her little helpers. And they've gone to the high places all around, and they are declaring this. Oh, you who are naive, come and dine with Lady Wisdom. You who seek help, it says, come and eat my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple or naive ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. This huge, generous invitation to have wisdom. You know what the mindset of a wise person is? A wise person shows up at this banquet, pays whatever he or she needs to have an all-you-can-eat experience. They're going to they're gonna eat up big because you don't pay for wisdom. You pay for being foolish, and the wise person knows that. It, it, the essential trait of a wise person is in 1815, look what it says. The, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seek knowledge. Look, here's, there's the word heart again. The, the fool had a heart that was stubborn and proud. The wise heart is tender and humble and is constantly looking for opportunities to learn. They can learn from small children. They can learn from nature. They can learn from an ant. It doesn't matter. They're, they're humble, and they want to know, and they know that they need to know. I mean, an iconic example of that is from 
Greek right, history, Socrates, as you might know, was considered the wisest man in all of Athens. He was given that title by the Oracle of Delphi. And the Oracle said that Socrates was the wisest man. And Socrates, he didn't celebrate that. He, he questioned it. And so he went around for quite some time asking other people that were considered wise if they knew the ultimate purpose in life, you know, the greatest good. And after asking so many people, and people kept giving them these various answers that were shallow and wrong, but they acted like they knew it. They were pretending they believed it. And then Socrates, he says, you know what? I might be the wisest man in all of Athens because at least I know that I don't know. And so at, from that point on, wisdom was defined as a person that was open to learning. The, the wise man is always looking to learn. How do you change a wise person? You're going to love this. Verse 9 of chapter 9, give instruction to the wise man, and he'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. That can't be right. That's it. You just instruct a wise man, and he gets wiser. You teach a righteous man, and then they just increase. Yeah, it's that easy. Wisdom pays. Having a, a wise heart, it pays. Listen, fundamentals of human condition. This is, there's two reasons people change. There's two fundamental reasons people change, okay? Number one, most popular, and you tell me which person this is, when the cost of change is up here, but the cost of current consequences gets to here. So the cost of change is less than the cost of current consequences. That's a fool. They have to have pain happen to them to the point where their current bill is so high, it'd be less painful to change. That's why most people change, because it costs too much to stay the same. Proverbs comes in and says, you know, there's an alternative. You could just change because you love wisdom. Think about that. That'd be pretty simple, wouldn't it? When we used to argue with our kids back and forth, whatever their value system was, we would appeal to that with wisdom. If they were lazy, we'd say wisdom's easier. You know, if they were into thriftiness, we'd say wisdom is cheaper. <laughs> if they were impatient, we'd say wisdom is faster. Wisdom is faster, easier, cheaper, better. It's, it's always that way. It's, it's more valuable than gold. Get wisdom. Have a heart that's ready to learn. That's how you live life as opposed to being a foolish person. Now, a hand sign for wisdom, not proud of this one, but it goes like this. You got your hand or your finger right there next to the side of your nose. And this comes from the idea because the, the, the persona is called a wise guy. Now, a wise guy, as some of you know, because you are in organized crime, uh, Wise guy is uh, like the slang for organized crime members. And so there's that. That's our first clue. And the, the, one of the better organized crime movies that you'll ever see is called The Sting with Robert Redford, right? And the way they all communicated back to each other to kind of say we're on the same team is they go like this. That was their little hand sign. So that's how we get to this. Not proud of it, but we're going to use it anyway. Okay, let's go here. Okay, that's the wise, wise guy. So what do we, the fool, he goes like this, right? Fool says, yeah, right. He's kind of pushing it away, and the wise man goes like this. What's the advice to others when you see someone else that's wise? This is good. 
13:20. Those who walk with the wise become wise, but the companion of fools suffer harm. Those who walk with the wise become wise, but the companion of fools suffer harm. See what wisdom is rubbing off. So hang around with them. Does this sound familiar? The advice to the fool, remember? The advice to people when you saw a foolish person, they said, stay away, be very afraid. And then the, the wisdom of Solomon says, if you find a wise person, yeah, you should hang around that person as much as you can. There's a saying, there's a proverb in, in the South. You might have heard this from your dad or your mom. They'd say, uh, 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 Matt, uh, you better be careful who you're hanging out with after that football game because uh, stupid rubs off. You ever heard stupid rubs off? Stupid rubs off. That's, that's, what he, that's half of this verse. But the companion of fools suffer harm. Some of you guys are in work environments where profanity and vile speak is running through the office like some open sewage pipe. Let me ask you, does profanity rub off? You pick up some of those words with not even wanting to? Yeah, profanity rubs off. Some of you guys are in, you know, investments and that sort of thing, and it is all about who makes the most money by the end of the year. Everybody's keeping score with dollar signs. Can I ask you a question? Does greed rub off? Yes, it does. Does, you know, hypercriticism, ingratitude, cynicism, do those rub off? Spend time with that? Yeah, you'll catch it. Stupid rubs off. Foolish rubs off. But let's turn this around because it's only half the story of this verse. That's why the, the writer says stay away from that. He says this. The other half of the verse says walk with the wise and you become wise. You come to a church full of people and they love God and they can't wait to sing with a great band and they want to learn what God has for them. You go even, even better. You go on a retreat, spend three days Worshiping God with other people, can I ask you, does a spirit of worship, does that rub off? It does. Hang around the wise. Sometimes you could work at a place where there's a division head and she is overflowing with gratitude and encouragement. Eight hours a day is pushing this all over the office. Can I ask you, does that sweet gratitude become contagious, does that rub off? It does rub off. You cross the parking lot here and come on a Thursday night, you're in, and join a group called Celebrate Recovery. It's a 12-step program, and you'll see a, people talking to each other, going through the steps, taking the courage to acknowledge what they've done, to have the courage to take responsibility and make things right, work in the steps. Can I ask you? Is courage contagious? Does courage run off, rub off? It does. That's why Solomon says, if, if you're around the wise, you should spend time with the wise. C.S. <laughs> Lewis put it this way. The next best thing to actually being wise yourself is to live in a circle of wise people. <laughs> it's like, I'm not very smart, but if I hang around the right people, I could be wise myself. So here's the point of, today, of today's application for the, for the most part in summary. is like, friends, all of our lives will be spending time with people. 
Don't be so naive or foolish to believe that the people you spend time with will not affect you significantly in your life and the consequences for your life. The wisdom of Proverbs brought to us from God, he says this, (laughs) you decide who your friends will be and then they'll decide who you will be. Be warned. And I'll, I'll just say this too, because it happens to, to so many of us in our lives. If, if, you have a, if you have someone that loves you, you know, a parent or right, a husband or a wife, a family member, somebody that deeply loves you, a good friend, and they ever sit down with you and say these words, it is bad for you to spend time with this person or this group. If anyone ever says that to you, would you please ask God's Spirit to light up your conscience because that is coming from God. It is coming from the wisdom of Proverbs. And here's why. Because think about the courage and love, those two concoctions, courage and love is what it takes for a person to say those words to you. No one's ever going to say those words to you unless they love you and are willing to risk the relationship. Because by saying those words that you should not be spending time with this person or that crowd, they're putting a fork in the future of your relationship. Because it's gonna, it's gonna, there's going to be a division. And you're going to make a choice. Are you going to stay on the path of foolishness and get swept up in the folly of the fools Or will you be willing to risk loneliness and isolation to get over here to this road of wisdom? If anyone ever says that to you, friends, it is a word from God, and you need to change your company. That's what it says. That's what Proverbs is saying. You better be careful. This is the verse you ought to write down. Two days from now, it'll be June 13th, the 13th chapter. Those who Let's read all this together, right? Those who walk with the wise become wise. The companion of fool suffers harms. Listen, this is kind of weird. We don't teach this way normally. Uh, it's, I think the genre is pushing our style of teaching. Here's what I want you to take away from this, okay? This is why this is powerful to attach various ways of memory. You know, yeah, right, and the wise guy. Because when we went through this, when our kids were three, five, and seven, five, seven, and nine, We did this all summer long. We did the eight or ten hand signs. We got all loaded up. When school started, boom, it was a banquet of examples for the kids to see, okay? And and it was great. And by the way, one of the harder things to do when you're teaching your kids is they don't have to say, yeah, right, that person's a fool out loud, okay? That could cause bigger problems than you want. But anyway, the point is, when they were three, five, or five, seven, and nine, we went through this, and we were pretty diligent about it, kind of went quiet for a while, and then later, 10 years later, I can remember two stories vividly where when the children were in their teens and became temporarily insane, and we were going back and forth in the, in the living room. It was mom and I against one, right, two against one, and it was back and forth, and one of us just like instinctively just went like this to our child. And right in the middle of telling us how stupid we were to believe otherwise, they went, they stopped. Because I think all the wisdom of these Proverbs came back and reminded them, oh my, I've been spending the last 42 minutes saying, you're right. And they just, that was the end of the talk. That was the end of the argument. They just realized, oh, in this part of their life, we never called our child, our children a fool. 
We said they were acting foolishly or playing the fool. But I'm telling you, friends, this has power. They're simple proverbs. You're underestimating their power. I want these proverbs to change the way we think so that it would change the way we live. Okay? Let's do that together. Let's pray. Picture this. This lovely, beautiful queen. Oh, she's gorgeous. She has built her house. She has personally hand-carved seven pillars out front so that you would know her palace when you saw it. She slaughtered her best beast. She mixed the wine herself. And she sent out all her little friends to go to all the high points to say, hey, anybody here naive want to learn? Anybody out there want to live the easy way, the fast way, the cheap way, the best way? Because I'm having a banquet. Lord, I'd ask that members of Grace Covenant Church would show up to that banquet, put the napkin in their lap, and have an all-you-can-eat buffet that we would learn from the wisdom of Solomon and the other sages that put, put this book together, knowing that those words were from you, that we would live wisely. We would glorify you by living wisely. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.